Welcome to Behind the Podium, a podcast series produced by GTS Educational Events that lets you hear what speakers are saying before or after the podium mic is turned on. Join me, your host, Jasper Appleton, to find out what makes these speakers tick and discover new insights on topics that matter to you on each episode of Behind the Podium. Welcome back to the Behind the Podium podcast. I'm your host, Jasper Appleton, and with me today is Andy Zimney. Andy is a renowned speaker and consultant who focuses on developing workplaces that bring out the very best in people. Andy, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. As a reoccurring first question here on Behind the Podium, tell the listeners a little bit about what you do, your role as a consultant and speaker, and why you do it. Sure. Um, So I am with a uh, small firm uh, based in Minneapolis, Minnesota called Employee Strategies, and we help build cultures that work. So uh, we partner with leaders from a variety of sectors, public sector, private sector, nonprofit sector, et cetera, um, and help leaders get really clear on what the system of their culture is. Every organization has a culture. Um, Every organization has a culture for a reason, and there are often things within that culture that are really working well for what they want to accomplish in the future, and there are often things that are um, actually kind of working against where they're at now. So we help leaders get clear on what that system and their culture is and um, help them build it in a direction that uh, even more closely aligns with where they want to be in the, in the future. Yeah. And um, one of the things about your approach towards kind of recreating these new cultures um, is how you focus on the concept of a story through make-believe. How a story will always be make-believe until you make it real for the rest of us. So my question to you is, what was your story like before you decided to change it? What made you want to get up in front of an audience and try and convince them that they too can change their stories? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, um, I guess I'd back up a little bit. I often talk with audiences uh, and clients about the, the power of make-believe. You know, it's one of the unique things, kind of superpowers we have as human beings is that, um, we've got these imaginations, right? We can imagine versions of the world around us that don't exist. Um, and even more powerfully, we can communicate about those imaginary futures. You know, anytime we're doing strategic planning or um, anything that like, we're essentially engaging in a bit of make-believe. We could be this, we could be this, we could be this. Um, and then, of course, really counts is translating that bit of make-believe into uh, a reality that actually does change the way the world operates, hopefully for for the better. Um, so for myself, you know, when we, when we talk about this journey, at least as, as a speaker, um, I've been a, I've had sort of a, a schizophrenic uh, existence, this Jekyll and Hyde existence as both an organizational executive and a professional improviser for the last 20 years. And um, Oisala overlap between those two and um, felt a real compulsion to do some work around helping leaders apply some of those creative practices to their leadership. But for a long time, it was just sort of a, a bit of, of make-believe. It was something I noodled on in my head for for uh, years and years. wasn't quite sure how I would do it. And then um, four or five years ago, I finally just said, you know, it's time to give this uh, a deadline, a, 
and um, take this idea and make it into something something real. So I started to draft out some content around it then and start testing it with some audiences and uh, have been spending a fair amount of time for the last five years or so speaking on on th this aspect of, of leadership along with some others. Yeah, I think that your background in improv is really interesting because I, I at least to how I see it, it allows you to, to kind of dive deeper into that imagination, which a lot of people struggle with. So I think that's a, that's a really positive um, pro that you picked up from, from that improv theater. What is the biggest takeaway, though, from your time spent performing? And what I'm most interested in is, are there some skills that you found that are interchangeable through consulting and improv? Yeah, there's a lot is the short answer <laughs> of, to that question. Um, you know, I think one of the things, whether it's in consulting or or any other position where you've got some some influence, I, most of us are conditioned, and this starts early on. You know, when we're in school, um, the the primary problem that's put in front of us often is to figure out what the quote unquote right answer is, and um, we go into a lot of problem solving assuming that there are right answers and, and wrong answers, and our job is to find the right ones. And I have found both in my experience as a leader before I started consulting four or five years ago, like I said, I was an organizational executive sitting around the conference room table having a lot of these conversations. Um, somewhere along the line, I learned that there were far less right answers than I thought there were. There were really lots of different options with different sets of trade-offs. And um, I think often the real work of leaders is deciding which set of trade-offs um, you want to choose. And improvisation, I think, is great exercise for getting ourselves out of that binary right-wrong thinking. Um, because it is a make-believe world, it's a temporary world where you're creating a, a scene. You know, if you haven't seen an improv show, you're basically creating the same sort of experience as a scripted piece of theater, but you're doing it without any plan, any rehearsal, you're doing it on the spot. So there's no time, even if there were right answers, there's no time to sort out what those are. Uh, what there is time for is exploring and building and um, trying to <clears throat> meander your way very intentionally towards something valuable. And I think a lot of organizations get stuck because they feel like they can't move forward until they have the right answer and um, waste a lot of opportunities uh, not exploring more. Yeah, and I think that's, you brought up the, the right, or right, or right or wrong answers, and especially how we learn them as children, because growing up, uh, especially when you think of a, a child and you ask a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? Those kind of big questions they their imaginations allow them to run wild an astronaut a firefighter uh i mean no person sits down or no no child sits down and says i want to be an accountant you know like there it's always something that their imaginations have told them to run wild and throughout somewhere along the line it it, it kind of the adult kind of comes into us and tells us that we need to get real and that was one of the things that i when i heard you say that in your ignite Minneapolis speech that that kind of hit home for me because I too have allowed myself that adult mental block so one of the things that I want to want to I guess what my question really is is why is it so difficult to tear down this adult mental block and where we need to accept our reality as the hand that we were dealt 
and what are some of the ways the average listener can get back into that sort of kid mentality that allows them to dream big, dream, you know, courageous and, and really follow their passions. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to some of what I was saying earlier um, about the the way we we tend to approach school and 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 work generally. You know, most of us are are rewarded for getting things right, and um, are uh, there's a lot of uh, negative incentives that go with getting things you know, again, quote unquote, wrong. So. Um, when, when kids are playing make-believe, they're not thinking about right or wrong at all. They're just thinking right. about um, the very the very next choice. Um, and you're right, we do, we do lose track of that. We, um, we forget a bit how to do that. And I think a lot of that does have to do with those experiences we have with right and wrong, whether it's the math test or uh, mm-hmm. the, the college application or the annual report to the board of directors um, and there's a lot of good reasons for that i mean it's it's important for us as responsible adults and leaders to be discerning um you know the consequences of one action versus another uh, i think there's also a lot of space for us to explore especially in, when we're talking about innovation or the um the world that we all live in now a lot of us just don't know. It's a, it's really difficult to know what's right or what's wrong because we're wandering into spaces that just have not been explored before. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only way to suss that out is often a matter of, of trial and error um, and experimenting where you're going to get some things wrong, but rather than uh, obsessing over that is something to be avoided. You know, when we're in a mindset of exploration and innovation, those um, those times where the results turn out to be wrong need to be celebrated just as much as the wind, because now we have some some knowledge, some information that we did not have before, and that really we couldn't have gotten any other way but then running the experiment and doing that exploration and taking some missteps. Yeah, and you use that word innovation, dreaming big, improvising, creating a story. These concepts all seem to tie into something you talk to the audiences about and something that is ever, that everyone is looking for, particularly now, and that is an innovation. It's one of those words that become diluted because we use it so often, or it's a word that people think doesn't apply to them because they're not a scientist or an engineer. But you talk about innovation as a mindset, a set of behaviors that need to be developed and embedded within the culture of an organization understanding that this is a full presentation that you offer, what can you tell us in a few minutes about creating a culture of innovation? Yeah, at its most basic level, uh, because you're right, the the word innovation gets used so frequently these days, um, I think a lot of us aren't even really sure what we mean by it. Mm -hmm. The the simplest definition that I have found, and I think has gotten used to it, is innovation is the implementation of ideas to create value and um, a lot of our organizations have been designed to certainly create value but to create the same value over and over and over somebody Mm -hmm. found something that worked in the past and then a lot of the operations are just about replicating that result and when you're in a fairly static environment where the same sort of result is needed regularly and consistently over a long period of time, 
that is an absolutely appropriate way to design your culture. When you're in a less stable or predictable environment, simply creating the same result over and over and over, especially if it's not as valuable a result as it was in the past, isn't a great way to design your culture. Right. Um, you need to design a culture that is more responsive, more adaptive, um, more willing to take some risks and um, um, have some experiments, like we were saying earlier, give us some negative results so that we can also run some experiments that give us some positive results. Um, in a lot of organizations, you know, again, if innovation is implementing two ideas to create value, everybody has ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, very, lots of organizations don't know what sp- people are supposed to do with their ideas when they have them. And that's 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 a challenge. You know, that's often one of the first things we're exploring with organizations when they want to develop a more innovative culture. You know, folks are having ideas. How do we make sure they know where to go with those ideas so that they can get on that path towards actually potentially being implemented and creating some new value? What are what are some of the ways that you can kind of draw out that innovation in, in, in a culture in terms of like you get into, say you get hired as a consultant for a company and it's not one of these natural tech companies where innovation is, you know, assumed to, to be had in everyone, but it's just a, a mom and pop shop and they need to figure out a new way into getting a client. What would you recommend to them in, in terms of pivoting, innovating to, to adapt to today's cultures, today's needs? Yeah. Well, there's no one single answer to that, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think you know, one of the first things for any organization is getting really clear on what their, their purpose is. Um, and that's not just for the sake of you know, having some inspirational message, but understanding what it is, what the value is that you want to create in your community, in your marketplace, whatever it might be, um, is essential. Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that our product, our service is our purpose. And really what we do is just a means to that purpose. Um, When we're clear around what our purpose is, then we can take a step back and have a conversation around what are all the different ways that we can deliver on that purpose to folks um, and it allows for some much more creative thinking mm-hmm. uh, around that and it gives folks a chance to, to think through this so for example in the the pandemic um, you know a lot of restaurants have had to rethink how they deliver on their purpose because right. um, it's no longer around having a restaurant where folks walk in the door and sit down for two hours right they still right. have a desire and a great purpose around providing a enjoyable dining experience to uh, their communities, but they've had to rethink how they deliver on that purpose. Yeah, and I, and purpose and value are two words that you associate with with innovation, and I think a lot or those two words are with associ- innovation as well are associated with big tech companies like Google or IBM, where like you said uh, uh, before as well, they're pushing out the same 
sort of concept, which is technology, but they're applying it into different aspects. But what outside of these big tech companies, what is giving you the most hope right now in terms of our society's ability to innovate our way through the current challenges our communities are facing? Well, I think what gives me hope is going back to, you know, that, that I was saying earlier about the, the, this, the, the human brain and our capacity for imagination. Right. Um, I don't think innovation, innovation did not start with the tech boom. Mm-hmm. You know, innovation is part of our DNA as human beings. Um, we've always in our history had these great imaginations and this desire to make the actual world more in line with our imaginary ideal world. Um, so I, I think that's what gives me hope. I think some of the, the structures that have made a lot of sense for the last hundred years, you know, a lot of this is coming out of the industrial revolution where it really was a um, necessary focus on mm-hmm. setting a strict set of processes and then rinsing and repeating that. Um, really, in many ways, that's the blip. You know, that's where, uh, in some ways, returning back to a more innovative, more responsive, um, more needs-oriented focus than the last hundred years that were more around creating something and then convincing the rest of the world that they needed the, the product right. that we had just developed. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I think that when you talk about the Industrial Revolution as well, that was a huge era of innovation. And I, I just kind of made the connection to how the tech industry and the tech boom is, is kind of our uh, era's own huge innovative era. So I think that getting out of, you know, seeing innovation outside of, you know, technology can be difficult, but it's it's not impossible. Like you said, with these, with innovation is in everyone. It's in every human. It's, it's what our natural... Um, uh, body chemistry or brain chemistry is going to operate because when you said in your Ignite Minneapolis how chimpanzee or humans are the only species to imagine something that doesn't exist or to follow rules towards something that doesn't exist like a constitution or an agenda or things like that but I, I, I want to focus on the innovative cultures that maybe aren't getting as much light what are some some areas where you feel I, I guess are, are are going to push humanity forward the outside of the tech industry. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I I really think I think innovation is happening everywhere. We might be using a different language for it, um, but I do think it is it is happening everywhere. It's happening in schools right now. Um, they're certainly using some technology to adapt to the needs of students these days in the pandemic. Um, um, it's but it, it's happening in in every business. Again, I think um, all of us. You know, often I'll ask folks I'm working with. You know, tell me about the last great idea you were. And actually, don't tell me about the idea. Tell me about where you were when you had, had that brilliant idea. And I get the same answers every time I ask that question. I was. Uh, on a walk in the shower, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was on my daily commute to work. We all have these brilliant, innovative ideas that pop into our heads. Oh, gosh, you know, things would be just a little bit better if we did this instead of what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might not be thinking that we're innovating, but we are. Right. Um, 
and what the the current landscape has facilitated in a lot of positive ways is uh, access for many of us to the tools we need to actually implement those ideas. Um, you know, we've never lived in the era where more folks had access to capital to invest or to the internet where they can, you know, project their idea out to community. Um, we don't need an advertising agency or a, um, uh, you know, loads and loads of, of cash in the bank to pull off a lot of the ideas that many of us have in like those, those shower moments. Um, they can happen in small ways on our, on our business teams. They happen in our, in our households. Uh, they happen in our schoolwork, et cetera. Um, they're really all around us. We just don't often recognize that we are, that we are innovating. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, in one of your promo materials, you quote Mark Twain's first rule of writing, which states that a story shall accomplish something and arrive somewhere. We just covered a little bit about the beginning of your story. We're currently in the middle of it. But where would you like your story to end? What's the future look like for Andy Zimney? You know, um, that is a great question. The short answer is I don't know. <laughs> and that's and that is a fantastic answer. Yeah. And I'm probably I would say I'm fairly comfortable with that answer. I think mm -hmm. that's one of the great lessons. That I've gotten from improvisation. Um, I, I am not in many ways an improv, uh, improviser by nature. Um, I like to have a plan. I like to know where things are going. But um, one of the realities on the improv stage is you don't know, you don't get to know where the scene is going to end or how the show is going to wrap up. And that's part of the beauty of it. And mm -hmm. um, it's part of what makes it so magical and why audiences enjoy it so much is um, none of us know exactly where we're going to end up. And um, we have much less control over that than, than we'd like to believe. What we do have control over is what's the very next choice that's available to me. So that's where my focus is these days. Yeah. Andy Zimney who I would call the king of innovation. Thank you so much for being here. This this uh, minute is for you to promote whatever you have coming up. Uh, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, great. Um, yeah, coming up, I would encourage you, if you are interested in uh, organizational culture and leadership or even just connecting with um, a great community of leaders trying to make their way through the crazy world that we're in, at Employee Strategies, we host a, um, we call it the Goat Rodeo. And we, we started the Goat Rodeo event series a few years ago. Um, and the whole spirit of it is that, that leadership is a lot messier than we often like to acknowledge. Um, <clears throat> and that most leaders have got a lot of things right, but a lot of things that we are all just sort of winging as we go. And we wanted to create a forum for those conversations. Um, since the pandemic, we've taken the Goat Rodeo virtual and uh, we kind of oscillate every couple of weeks. Uh, we have a very informal, just morning coffee conversation where we uh, get to have some essentially uh, sort of mini mastermind groups with some other leaders and talk about process, support each other, what we're managing those days. And then um, on the other weeks, so about once a month for each of these, we have a learning session. Um, if you're looking for more information on those and like to register those, we do them uh, on Zoom. You can go to eSync, that's E-S-I-N-C, so Employee Strategies, Inc, eSync.mn, as in Minnesota, 
backslash uh, GR Coffee. So go Rodeo Coffee. Yes, please check both those things out. We really appreciate you again for being on the podcast. Um, and, and thank you. I'd love to, to speak with you more if you ever want to come back. Um, of course, the links to Andy's socials will be in the description below. Uh, and have a nice day. Great. Thanks, Jasper. Thanks for listening to Behind the Podium, a podcast by GTS Educational Events. Visit our website, mngts.org, for the full lineup of podcasts and to learn about all the exciting events we have coming up. 